dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hey friends, this is Mother Natalia. Today, Father Michael and I are in person because we are both together for the ordination and enthronement of Bishop Robert Pipta for the Eparchy of Parma. So we are very appropriately doing an episode that Father Michael leads about the vesting prayers of a bishop and sharing what that looks like when those vesting prayers are done publicly. It's really beautiful. Uh, There's also a lot of slamming of one another towards the beginning of the episode, but you can rest assured that Father Michael and I love each other very much and no nasty emails, please. And if you are a hashtag banter hater, uh, we kind of kept accidentally restarting, but I think you're going to want to skip ahead about 10 and a half minutes after this intro. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. Hello, mother. High five. Recording together. That was horrible. There we go. That was much better. Still about 95%, but that's okay. <laughs> our, our palms didn't exactly line up as much as they should have. Well, I think part of it's because I'm like actually, I'm also rocking in the chair. And so I was trying to rock You're and a also moving aim. target. Yeah. <laughs> we are, we're sitting in the uh, confessional at Christ the Bridegroom Monastery. I like to say it's the only place in the Amparkian Bar where you can go to confession in a rocking chair. <laughs> There's two rocking chairs in here along with the icon of Jesus. You have an icon of Jesus like suffering immensely. Like It's it's an icon of Christ the Bridegroom. Yeah. His hands are tied. He's holding the stick that, that made him bloody. He has a, a crown of thorns on. And you guys are sitting in rocking chairs. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're being mean to me right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to start with a different mean thing, but I know I'll. I'll it back. <laughs> you can use the other mean thing for my episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we need some mean about Natalia banter. I don't know how. Even it out. Usually, when we record online, if I'm sick, I like mute myself when I have to blow my uh, nose or when there are sniffles or something. Is there a way to do that on the H6? Push number three. And then it just goes off, and then I can turn yes. it back on, and everything's fine. Yes. And it's I'm not going to mess up the file. So Steve Davies, but then mine will have less time than yours. Is that going to be a problem? No, no, it won't. Are you sure? There's so on. <laughs> we're talking about this. <laughs> if on this on this system, it only records one recording. We don't have two, as far as I know. Like on when we record Squadcast, it records us separately no. on two different recordings. No, there are different files that you upload. You upload track one and track three. Oh, I think you're right. I know I'm right. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe it won't then. Then don't do that. I'm scared. Just, They're just, just going to have to hear just my sniffles. Sneeze or sniffle right into the microphone. <laughs> just hold it. Hold it. And then next episode, possible. we can change mics. <laughs> we'll have Steve edit all the sniffles out. So, Steve, if you just go <laughs> every through every sniffle, every sniffle, edit out, please. Oh. What was I going to make fun of you for? Um, I was going to make fun of you for the crosswalk. No, for needing attention in the beginning. So we're in one of those situations where I can hit record without her knowing I'm hitting record, and I almost did that because you were like sniffing and saying, "Oh, if I, people hear my sniffles, then, <laughs> then they'll feel sorry for me, and then they'll pray for me, then they'll send me stuff to help with my sniffles." I did. And- I was like, "All of our listeners are going to be like, oh, poor Mother Natalia, and she's sick, and they're going to send me cough drops and throat coat tea." And they're all gonna. By the time they listen to this, you're gonna be fine. So don't 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 send this pandering nun anything. <laughs> oh, I'm the panderer. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'd really like a 
record player. <laughs> <laughs> that no, no, no listeners. Good. No listeners. <laughs> Good. Because I told listeners, do not buy that for him. My mom was going to. Did you know that? Aww. She came to me and she was like, I what what kind of record player do you think he wants? I'll Aww. get and I was like, no, mom, do not. <laughs> so for those who have not been listening for a long time, mother gets sent gifts all the time. Not all the time. You listeners, you send her all this stuff. And uh, and I, by the way, I don't need anything. Please don't send me anything. But if you're going to send me something, <laughs> just kidding. But but I was I was jokingly jokingly making fun of her. And then and then a long time ago, I think it was on the Catholic Stuff podcast, which is my podcast previous to this one. I think I asked for like they sent they they literally sent Father Nathan like 64 boxes full of watermelon big league chew. Cause like he referenced it one time and like people from all over the world sent him, they went to the store, found oh watermelon big league chew and sent it to him. So we had water, I mean, literally coming out of our ears, we had so much watermelon big league chew. Not literally. So then I was like, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of stringy. You could fit it in there. Um, <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then I was like, man, live. I was like, man, because it was like he was like, does watermelon big league chew exist anymore? So people sent him because of that. Uh-huh. I was like, do iTunes gift cards exist anymore? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, not a single iTunes gift card did we get. Good. Um, okay, you're right. I do pander sometimes. <laughs> um, but she was she was complaining, and then I was going to say something about complaining, and then that actually fit really well into the Christ's bridegroom icon of him suffering immensely and us literally swinging in rocking chairs while we look at this icon and pray. Yeah. There is, you know what, there is something that we could say, we could say in a kind of an, an overly pious way that 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 his suffering allowed, Jesus wants us to sit in rocking chairs sometimes. Sometimes. He wants us to sip tea and record podcasts. Especially and, when we're sick. Yeah. What we're not drinking? sipping tea, we're drinking coffee. You're not supposed to drink coffee when you're sick. I drink coffee always. <laughs> <laughs> I walked back. We had the Metropolitan Cathedral Assembly, like uh, Byzantine Catholics from all over the country. And you guys will hear um, one or two episodes that I recorded there, um, actually before this one. So you've already heard these episodes. And when when I was there, um, there were times, there were periods for like two to three hours in a stretch that no coffee was available. <gasps> I know. And this parish was in the middle of nowhere, like no. middle of nowhere. So I had such a hard day the first day because I was stupid as always and if i'm hanging around my brother priests we stay up way too late so i did that and then the next day i got there and i literally went into the choir loft at one point and took a nap like i skipped the second nice. half one of the talks that's not nice but anyway i had to do it went up to the <laughs> choir loft and took a nap in the choir loft and then came back down again so the next day i bought two red bulls we one for me one for father nathan adams who also likes red bull father nathan was there father nathan was there <gasps> is he coming I uh, know he's not. Oh. Father Michael Bajuchka was there. He's not coming. Oh, um, yeah. My heart. Why did you do that? Our to Beth's me? not coming. I texted her this morning and asked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you, everybody, this is not coming. Aww. President Biden not coming. Um, <laughs> Pope Francis not coming. <laughs> oh, I wish I had. I wish I had seen Father Nathan Simeon. Oh, I'm so sad. But the most important person, Father Robert Pipta, soon to be Bishop Robert Pipta, coming. He will be there. <laughs> It'll be. Awesome. All right. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a big cause of scandal if he doesn't show. This is true. <laughs> this is true. And speaking of, look at that transition. Oh! High five. <laughs> oh, there it was. That one ma- echoed. I didn't even need to make the noise, even though I did make the noise. Um, 
that reminds me. Of the, okay, one one last banter thing. <laughs> Have I told you a story about Father Nathan Goble and the fight story? Have I told that yes. on the podcast? Did I tell them podcast? Though? I don't know. Okay, so Father, <laughs> my old co-host from Catholic Staff, Father Nathan Goble, as most of you know, is the funniest man I've ever met in my whole life. Um, and, uh, and did you hear me blowing my nose? I could. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it was through the mic or not, though. It may have just been in, in real life. Um, so we're we're telling stories one night over scotch, and we're talking about getting in a fight. And I'm probably sharing these stories from middle school. I got in a lot of fights in middle school, and so um, and a lot of times when I talk to other priests, most priests have gotten in zero fights in their life, like zero fights. So I, I always tell stories, and they're kind of scandalized and kind of intrigued. You know, um, I just imagine you like. <laughs> Like ramming your head into someone's stomach and that being your main weapon because you have a big head. <laughs> All right, we are now even. <laughs> Sorry, I'm glad you're happy. She's she's literally laughing so hard at her own joke that she bashed the microphone against the table. Sorry. That's what that thud was. Sorry, everybody. Her losing control over her arm. She was laughing so hard at her own joke. It wasn't even a joke. It was just an image that came to mind that was really funny. But actually, it, it would be helpful just because I have gravity on my side. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. You Wait, know what? no, you should tell the story, though. Okay. Oh, Fighting Father um, so Nathan Goble. <laughs> I, talked about, I talked about all these fights I had to get into, and Father Nathan's like, I got in one fight. Sorry if I've told you the story. He's like, one fight my whole life. He says, and this is how it went. He says, like, I was in... in Middle school, early high school, something, and he goes, and some kid said something, or I said something, and we square off. <laughs> he goes, and I, I go to take the first punch, and he says, I punch, I go, Psh! and he goes, and the kid's like just standing too far back, and so I, I don't hit him, and the kid just starts laughing, and the kid's like, you don't need to make the sound Psh! if you're in a real fight. <laughs> So he literally, like, in a real fight, punches, misses, or doesn't go far. It makes the sound like if you're fake punching. Oh, my gosh. That was so funny. I was laughing That's so, so funny, Nathan. Oh, it is so funny, Nathan. And I, I, like, I never know if these stories are real with him just because they're, they're such entertaining stories and they just they make me double over every time so anyway so that is a way less seamless transition than if we had actually started talking about it after talking about (sighs) father robert pipta i ruined the seamless transition okay this is i feel like i feel like i'm having that problem adding to this world no this isn't this isn't banter it's not let me talk uh (laughs) i i'm having that problem where like when we record during the great fast but we know it's coming out during Pascha, and we don't know whether to say glory to Jesus Christ oh. or Christ is risen oh, because see. of when it's coming out versus when we're recording. And I'm like, I don't know whether to call him Bishop Robert oh, because at the time this is coming out, yes. he's a bishop. I think we can. Okay. Because it's only you and I. Like, By the time even our editor listens, it's going to be Bishop Robert. That's true. You and I and our guardian angels and the entire host of heaven and earth. Um, <laughs> host of heaven are the only ones in this room right now who are going to know. So, yeah, I think we can call Bishop Robert. Okay. All right. So, um, basically, oh, good job. Looking, Thank you. looking at the time on the banter. You just okay. did the like I demeaning <laughs> thing that I do. <laughs> oh, good job. That's really funny. You did what you're supposed I, to do. I, I did that. And I apologize. I um, don't accept your apology. <laughs> all right. So, tomorrow on In Our Time, um, I don't know if I would do that or not. It doesn't work. 
Oh, okay. Well, there the we light go. doesn't go off. Okay, she was trying you to push a button it once to see recording. if she moved herself. Um, probably did for you the say reason moot? we just <laughs> moot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so we had uh, the uh, so Bishop Robert got ordained tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just had a back. I just had something. <laughs> Right. I just pulled the muscle had in no my back. Um, it's just good to see each other in person. <laughs> it's the, the Mucinex, I swear. Um, so Bishop Bishop Weber got ordained tomorrow, and um, the day after, so two days from now, um, when he was ordained, <laughs> when he had his first uh, first hierarchical divine leader, he was a bishop. Uh, now watch he backs out. We're gonna have to scrap this entire podcast. Um, so um, the. Basically, I did not. Our, our bishops are new to getting vested publicly, but at a hierarchical divine liturgy, namely a divine liturgy that is celebrated by a bishop and is celebrated a bishop in his role as bishop. Um, there's sometimes when bishops will celebrate just as a priest, um, and they they're allowed to do that. Um, by the way, side note: when when you in the church when you get ordained something, so like when you get ordained elector, cantor, candle bearer, or you get ordained a subdeacon, or you get ordained a deacon. So I am still ordained all those things. So yes. I'm I'm still a deacon. That I, my my diaconate ordination was not taken away or nullified when I ordained a priest. But but I I don't think I'm allowed to celebrate as a deacon. I'm pretty sure I'm not. Um, like if in oh other words, interesting if, if if there's two priests, one's like, well, I'll just I'll just celebrate as a deacon. I'm pretty sure that's not allowed. Uh, Father Deacon Jonathan, correct me if, um, if I'm wrong there, but I'm pretty sure. Um, I just expect him to know everything about everything. So um, always, I think he does because um, he's so brilliant. Yes, he is. He's so, also so humble, though. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, and you're and you're not pandering at all. I'm not. I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to get you antsy and, and amped up. Um, so so yeah. So I don't. I'm pretty sure I'm not allowed to do that. But I still remain a deacon. So a bishop, I though I think can just celebrate as a priest. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if that's a special rule um, made up by the bishops since they're the ones who uh, teach us stuff. Um, that's what Episcopus means, teacher. Um, but anyway, so, but if you go to a hierarchical divine liturgy where you'll see tricarion, dicarion, you'll see candles that the bishop holds. So this is one of the cool things for all you Roman Catholics that have never seen this. Um, when a priest blesses, he blesses with his right hand. When a bishop blesses, especially during a liturgy, he blesses with both hands. Oh, yeah. And they cross over each other, like up, down, and then his right hand goes left, his left hand goes right, and then back again. So it, it's it's a really cool, a really cool, like, way of... that. That's the proper blessing, because bishops have the fullness of the priesthood. Um, we kind of have a, a half... It's not a half, it's a full blessing. Anyway, I'll stop. Um so, so basically, during a higher call divine liturgy, there's the option, and our bishops have now, uh, at least a couple of them, um, are have gone back to being vested publicly. So, um, I don't think we've done a podcast on it, but we could. Uh, I did it back on Catholic stuff. If you want to look it up, uh, podcast on priestly vesting prayers. So all the things that a priest says when he vests as a priest, I actually used this for my children's homily a couple weeks ago and they loved it. Absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. The kids learning what, learning the prayers and learning what everything symbolized, what it meant um, that a priest wears. But 
I so I had never seen a bishop be vested publicly except maybe once or twice when Bishop John Kudrick did it. Yeah. So the former bishop, one of the former bishops of Parma, used to do it. And so at that point, I had only seen him do it once or twice. And I remember thinking those prayers are different than mine. So when I vest as a mm-hmm. priest, a lot of the a lot of the vestments you put on are similar to the ones that a bishop wears. And you, 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 I would think that it was just the same prayers, but it's not. They're very different. So um, basically when a priest vests, you, you have every garment. The white garment symbolizes baptism and martyrdom and marriage. Um, the, uh, the cassock underneath, if it's black, especially for a celibate, symbolizes simplicity, monasticism, humility. And then you put on the epterchelion that goes over both shoulders. That symbolizes the anointing oil that runs down the beard when one's anointed, etc. We'll go through the rest. But for a bishop, and you say prayers that have to do with anointing. You, have, you say prayers that have to do with girding yourself with strength for war or for work. The right hand is for war. The left hand is for creation. The the garment of salvation that goes over, um, excuse me, the uh, the priestly garment of justice that goes over everything else. All these things have these beautiful prayers. But when a bishop is getting vested, I'm going to go through those prayers right now. But mm-hmm. what I want to say is that I had heard them for Bishop John, but I was able to really engage with them when Bishop Gerald died. Yeah. Because when a bishop dies, as when a priest dies, so when I die, my brother priests are going to vest me, my dead body, for burial, and they're going to say all those prayers for me. So all the prayers that I've said my whole life, when I die, they're going to vest me and they're going to say all these prayers for me as they put on each vestment. When a bishop dies, it's the same thing. But interestingly enough, a bishop, when during a hierarchical divine liturgy, if he, if he vests publicly, he gets vested while he's still alive by the subdeacons. So the subdeacons, and, and I think the second deacon, the subdeacons, they vest him. And so they say the prayers that like for the parts that are the same prayers that are like a priest vest, uh, instead of the priest saying, I do this, he, they say you do this uh-huh. so that when they vest the bishop but what I want to do is I want to read through the prayers right now for the vesting of a bishop um, now just I, I want the listeners to understand like how, how powerful and moving this was for me when I vested a dead bishop with all these beautiful prayers because the prayers as you'll hear um, are, are kind of a walkthrough of the passion mm. of Christ. So when you're vesting a dead bishop, it's, it's very much like here is this dead body here and you, you, you just feel, and this, this person was in the person of Christ for so long and so much so that one of the most powerful things for Bishop Gerald, it was a good thing I loved him immensely because if I did not love him, it would have been a little bit, it wouldn't have been as pious, but I loved him immensely. And I remember thinking, this man had so much power over me. He could have moved me to, Antarctica, if he wanted to, he could have moved me to to Anchorage, Hawaii. He could have moved me to whatever he wants. He could have moved me and made me a monk. He could have moved me and made me a uh, uh, the guy that cleans up the kitchen in Phoenix. I mean, he could have done anything he wants. So he had so much power over me. Now this man that has so much power is just dead on the table. Yeah. And here I am, like literally lifting up his arms, lifting up his whole body to put these vestments yeah. on him. Um, it was very powerful when you think of of the prayers I'm going to say now. Yeah. Were you just like weeping as you're vesting him? You know, I I wasn't. I have a. I weep all the time when I'm happy. I rarely cry when I'm sad. Fascinating. But I, I'm a I'm a crier when I'm happy. I definitely like when I'm if I'm preaching something powerful. I've definitely heard you cry when you're sad. I'm trying. To, I'm sure. When I you've do. when you've had to intone eternal memory, I've heard you cry. Yeah, and I like you had a really hard time intoning for Chris when he died in Denver. I'm wondering. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And but I, I don't. It's. I think that's 
out of the the depth of it, the gravitas uh-huh. yeah, yeah, of it, yeah. not that I'm sad. That makes sense. I think there's a gravitas to it because I I don't know when's the last time. I mean, do do adults cry when they're sad in the same way? I I, I think it, it's kind of a wow. <laughs> I mean, you've been my spiritual father for no. twelve years. <laughs> Mother Natalia is just still not an adult. No. <laughs> I, I regretted that the moment it came out of my mouth. I really did. But I'm I'm trying. But isn't it different though? I'm trying to think. Like as a kid, you cry. You cry for different reasons, though, right? Don't you? I don't. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel horrible right now. <laughs> no. I just. No, it's. I feel like as a as a child you cry out of frustration and lack of control <laughs> and, and need for attention. Did you do that That's, on purpose? No, You're naming no, all the reasons I cry. Oh, no, is that really? I don't know. Okay, now I feel like anyway, I, I mean I mean no offense. I'm saying that out of complete ignorance. But I, I really do think when I cry, I'll just put it that way. When I cry, it's it's because I'm preaching about something that's very powerful. There's a, there's a gravitas to it. I do it all the time. I don't think I've I don't think I've cried in a while for the same reasons that I cried when I was a kid. You know, um, for sure. But anyway, anyway, now to dig myself out, try to dig myself out of this hole. So, um, basically, uh, the first thing that's going to happen here is that the 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 deacon in our ritual here, the second deacon takes a stakarian. So the stakarian is what your Roman Catholics would call the alb. Um, it's what goes over the cassock, over the podriasnik, as we call it. Can I say something before you start? Of course, this? of course. Um, I just think it's, there's something really beautiful. I don't know how to articulate it, but we always, we love in our monastery, we love the vesting prayers of the bishop. Mm-hmm. And whenever we have an event like a tonsure or well, not a tonsure because that's at Vespers. But whenever we have a life profession, we basically beg whoever the bishop is, mm. um, please do the public vesting because they're so beautiful. But there is something about, like there's something so vulnerable yeah. about the vesting uh, before you even start going into the the different prayers because like the bishop is in just like a very, he's just in his, uh, is it a Stakarian? When he walks in, yeah. Well, no, he has his. Um, I forget what it's called, but it, it's it's like a monastic, a monastic cloak uh-huh. that symbolizes the the rivers of knowledge that flow from the temple. I believe. Okay, we get them wrong, Deacon. Um, but they have, <laughs> <laughs> like, they don't even say the name. He just he knows we're talking. You know, I'm talking about. Um, but then there's like there's like so stripes that, on it. But that's okay. There's stripes on yeah, it, yeah. and those stripes symbolize that I believe the, the rivers of knowledge because he's the teacher, he's the mm. episcopus. But but he's he dressed takes in that such off, and yes, then, yeah, yeah. And so what I mean is after he takes that off, like he's just dressed so simply, yeah, and so. Uh, there's like a, it reminds me of at the life profession when I come down when I came down in the Blasenitia the white robe it's like mm. I felt naked yeah. uh, because for years I'd been in this full habit and I'm coming down in this white robe which is extremely modest right yeah. but you just feel naked and when when I see the bishop there in just uh, such simple. Mm attire there's just a great vulnerability to it and and the fact that he's being dressed as you said like he doesn't do it himself yeah. oftentimes they're struggling with the buttons or something and he has to help but yeah. for the most part he's he's letting others dress him which is a reminder to me of what the which I think this is part of the vesting yeah. prayers but the someone will dress you and yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, so the vesting prayers, and this is the thing: is, is you, it really does take eyes to see. It's like a parable, right? If if, if you're looking, 
If you're looking for the kingdom of God, when Jesus tells a parable, you're going to find the kingdom of God. If you're looking for a way to hurt someone, in other words, if Jesus is telling a, telling a parable and you are in the audience and you are looking for a way to shame him or contradict him or convict him, you're going to be handicapped. Like a parable hides the truth to those who are malicious and reveals it to those who are, who are open and, and seeking truth and beauty and goodness. So it's kind of the same thing. If you can go to one of these divine liturgies, just like with your life profession, there are a lot of people who saw very interesting things and all the symbolism. Yeah. I mean, someone like, like Father Joel Barstat, you know, kind of had this paternal, paternal reaction mm. that he got like offended for you. Mm. You know, he, he got, he's like, you know, why, why are we, why are we doing this to this young girl that's giving everything to the church? Mm. It's just, which I think was part of the response you're supposed to have. Like you're walking down in front of everybody, you know, it's this spectacle and then you come out and then you have to do prostration and then the bishop throws the, the scissors. You have to walk down to get them. It's like, he just saw it as very demeaning, mm. like in a very human way, yeah. um, which is really beautiful paternal response he had um, to that. I think I didn't have that response because I was standing there right there next to you. And there was kind of like, I'm, I'm accompanying you and I'm kind of half a little bit going through this with you, even though I take a step back, of course, at the end. But, um, and then there were, then there were people that saw it online or we'll see it in your documentary and her own, oh, no, just got horribly offended, you know, yeah. and then, and then, oh my, yeah. So anyway, the reaction is very different. So I think if someone walked in and saw this, if people are looking for trouble, they're going to see a man making other people vest him, yeah. you know? And I think, I wonder if it's because that is so missing the point that these prayers about Christ being stripped Mm-hmm. and beaten that I'm about to read here. We say those prayers so that people understand this man in this place symbolizes Christ and he's putting vestments on when Christ is being stripped to symbolize that same reality. Just as a point of clarification to not leave that undone, um, Father Joel then got to, like as he was processing that, got to the beauty and the profundity of what had happened mm. in the life profession. And he didn't just stop at like um, the reaction yeah. of... Yeah. The yeah. Yeah, both are beautiful, but yeah. you're right. It yeah, is, yeah. It's very important to say he he did go on to understand. He went through the process that we're supposed to go through. Right. Yeah. He had the reactions we're supposed to have, and I I I love that about him. He has in his own words, um, he he defines people who love the divine liturgy will 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 those who have a strong liturgical imagination. Uh-huh. That's the words he uses, like and that. he has a strong liturgical imagination. In other words, liturgy affects him the way it should affect. It has yeah. the intended effect on him. And you, you can see this when you see him celebrating yeah. the liturgy. Yeah, very, very much. much so. yeah. He's the, if you ever want to see him celebrate liturgy, he's the uh, pastor in Denver, Colorado. He's my, my one of my successors in, uh, in Denver. All right, let's get into the prayers. All right. Let's do it. So basically, um, they walk up with a Stakari, and the Stakarian is the now he the, again the bishop is just wearing his his podriasnik, the the cassock that goes underneath everything else. <laughs> the second deacon walks up carrying the Stakarian, what we Roman Catholics would call the alb, and uh, he says, "Let us pray to the Lord." The people say, "Lord, have mercy." Of course, and then the first deacon says, "Now this is this is the same prayer that I pray when I put mine on." And yet, notice that the, that instead of saying "I rejoice" or "My soul rejoices," they say "Your soul." So, your soul rejoices in the Lord, for He has clothed you with a robe of salvation, with a mantle of justice. He has wrapped you like a bridegroom adorned with a crown, like a bride bedecked with jewels. Our God is merciful, and to Him be glory now and ever and forever. And the people respond, "Amen." 
And then uh, this having been said, the rubric says, um, we, we say do the red, say the black. So I'm reading the red right now. This having been said by the deacon, the celebrant then takes this to Karian, blesses it, and says the following quietly if he wishes. So now this is the bishop saying the man who's, who's being ordained a bishop says this. Or in this case, well, he's already a bishop. Yeah. Yep. So Bishop Robert says this. Herod and his soldiers treated Jesus contemptuously and mocked him. And after clothing him in resplendent garb, they sent him back to Pilate. So as he's putting this on, this is the 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 accusation that Christ being condemned as he puts on this this white garment. Which means he's accepting the accusation and the condemnation he's going to receive in the place of Christ. Exactly. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. That oh, was yeah, that it's beautiful. Not that I'm yeah. <laughs> so then, then the uh, then the celebrant takes the epitrochelion, which is the the Roman Catholic would call the stole. The second deacon says, "Let us pray to the Lord." We respond, "Lord, have mercy." And then this is again what what the priest says when he puts his on, um, but they're saying it for him now. The first deacon says, "Blessed be God who pours out His grace upon His high priest." We just say priest, like precious oil upon the head, running down upon the beard, running down upon Aaron's beard to the hem of his garment, always, now, and ever, and forever. Amen. So this is what this, the deacon says. Then the bishop says, "The band of soldiers, the tribune, and the Jewish guards seized Jesus." bound him and brought him to an Ananias first. I think it's Ananias. Um, so the, uh, again, I'm realizing this as I go through this, I did not prepare, obviously, um, that the, the deacons say what the priest says and the bishop then says the beautiful parts about, uh-huh. but if, if you're vesting a dead bishop, you would be saying all of these things. Which <clears throat> I think that something poignant there is, that means that as the bishop is being vested, he is verbally acknowledging the reality of what he's accepting. Yeah. So yeah. It is, it is incredible. If you've ever read, I, I'm going to give this away um, to a certain extent, but if you've ever read Lord of the World by Robert Hugh Benson, have you read that mother? It, oh, it's, it's an amazing, written in 1908. So, I mean, it predicted the fall of the Vatican States. It predicted uh-huh. airplanes. Anyway, it's, it's an, uh, it's an apocalypse. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've heard of it. I've heard it's sim- It's the yeah. Anyways, it's yeah. like Father Elijah. Yes, you know, that's what in, I was about to say. Yeah, way, but, but it's, it's obviously much older. Yeah. And but it has. Um, I did read Lord of the World. Okay. Yep. So it's it's. I mean, it's it's for its time. It was amazing. I still think it's very striking. I like Father but, Elijah better. But the end, <laughs> the end, which Father Elijah has has a more subtle, nuanced ending uh-huh. in this book. The ending of the book and basically the end of the world. I'll just put it that way. The, uh-huh. Basically the end of the world happens in the very last chapter and and it happens liturgically yes. along with the Roman Catholic benediction uh-huh. and the Eucharistic exposition benediction. And I love that yeah. because it's, and I, I'd like, imagine, imagine if, if, um, Imagine a bishop just going to his martyrdom or like the end of the world coming. Because they knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So like he knows he's going to die or he knows the end of the world is coming and you're saying these prayers, remembering through anamnesis, this this spiritual divine remembrance, yeah. you're remembering the, the crucifixion of Christ. All right. Um, then the uh, celebrant takes the belt. The second deacon says, let us pray to the Lord. We respond, Lord, have mercy. And then he says again, this is the deacon saying what the priest says, blessed be God who girds you with strength and makes your way blameless, making your feet swift as the deers and setting you upon you 
setting you upon high places, always, now, and ever, and forever. My, anyway, by all of these are from the scriptures. All of these are mostly from Psalms, from the prophets, things like this, all the things that a priest says when he vests. Then the celebrant, girding himself, puts it on himself, says, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Mm. Then they give the cuffs to the celebrant. And the second deacon says, let us pray to the Lord. The people respond, Lord, have mercy. This is basically a way of making sure that we're all involved in this as well. <laughs> and then again, the deacon says to the priest, says, your right hand, O Lord, magnificent in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has shattered the enemy. In your great majesty, you overthrew your adversaries, always, now, and ever, and forever. Amen. Again, all that's from the scriptures. I can look up where it is later on. And uh, and then the, then the celebrant, the bishop, taking the cuff, and he says, your right hand, O Lord, has triumphed. Your right hand raised me. The Lord's right hand has triumphed. I shall not die. I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. And then the left cuff, the hands of the Lord have created you and formed you. May he give you understanding that you may learn his commandments always, now, and ever, and forever. Again, that's the same thing that I say when I put on mine on. And then... Um, then the celebrant of the bishop says, your hands have created me and formed me. Give me understanding that I may learn the commandments. So he just quotes the same thing. Um, then they give the epignation. Now the epignation is um, only given to bishops and archpriests. Mm -hmm. So congratulations to Father uh, Father Jack Custer, who just got given one uh, oh. just a bit ago. So um, he, he is well-deserving of it. Um, basically, in my understanding, the epignation originally was an actual sword uh -huh. that was given. Um, and the sword was given, I don't know if it was ever used uh, as a form of defense or something like that, but it was given um, later on to symbolize um, the, uh, again, as I understand, it was given to symbolize uh, the sort of truth cutting between bone and marrow. And it was given to those who can hear confessions. So basically, not not every clergyman could hear confessions, but if you saw a clergyman carrying a sword, <laughs> they could, which is actually kind of beautiful. Like yeah. it, given the sword to do this, so so this vestment is no longer a sword, but it's like a diamond, a diamond that hangs down where a sword would hang. So it it hangs down on the left of the bishop. Some Roman Catholic listeners would be um, some. Roman Catholic listeners would be familiar with like uh, Blessed Solanus Casey, mm. who did not have, I think he wasn't allowed to preach or hear confessions. Right. So they call that simplex. Yeah. So the, the, someone who's, someone who's ordained simplex in the West, in the Roman Catholic Church, I don't think they would preach or confess. Those are the two things they could not do. Um, <laughs> namely, they just weren't educated enough or, yeah. or, or able to, to be eloquent in those two sacraments. Um, all right, so then uh, the first deacon says, Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty Lord, in splendor and state. Ride on in triumph for the cause of truth and meekness and right. And your right hand will guide you wondrously always, now and ever and forever. Amen. And then the sakos, um, which is like the uh, the Philonian, the, the outer garment, Um the deacon says, your high priests, O Lord, will be clothed with righteousness and your saints will rejoice always, now and ever and forever, which is what I say uh, when I put mine on. My felonian is a slightly different investment. And the celebrant says, 
He blesses it, kisses it, and puts it on, saying, The soldiers of the governor took Jesus inside the praetorium and gathered the whole cohort around him. They stripped off his clothes and threw a scarlet military cloak about him. Weaving a crown of weaving weaving a crown of thorns, they placed it on his head and a reed in his right hand. Mm-hmm. And then the omophorian, which goes over that, which is kind of like a, a second. It looks kind of like a second uh, uh, stole, but it, it's shaped like a like a sheep because the bishop is the good shepherd. So it's shaped like a a, a sheep that goes across both shoulders. And he says, the deacon says. This is the image of the Son of God, who left the 99 sheep in the hills and went in search of the one who had strayed and found it and laid it on his shoulders and brought it to the Father and to his will always, now and ever and forever. Amen. And then the Panagia, which is the uh, icon of the Mother of God that he wears instead of a cross. We priests wear a cross. He wears a Panagia, an icon of the Mother of God. Do you do you get mistaken for a bishop sometimes because yes. of wearing your cross? Okay. Yeah. Because uh, Roman it, bishops wear a cross, yeah, right? Yeah, okay. exactly. So I I I will, I will sometimes walk into a into a, a Catholic event uh-huh. and get greeted with "Hello, Bishop," and I and I have to go. Oh, I'm glad you know what this means in the Roman Church. In our church, it just means that I'm a priest. Uh-huh. And then basically, if you become an archpriest or an archimandrite, you get a gold cross. Some would say if you become a a consultor like I am, you get a gold cross. I somebody gave me one, but I don't I don't usually wear it. Um, and then there's different ranks and you can have like an ornate cross and things like that. There's all kinds of different levels of, of what you wear so that you can be recognized for, for your ecclesiastical rank. Um, That's then, why you're very reverend because you're a consultor? Yeah, I, I have not looked this up. I'm a consultor, so I'm a very reverend. I think that means I can wear a gold cross. I know the priests that are, that are consultors that do wear gold, gold cross, <laughs> but someone told me that was a Latinization, so I, just, I, don't, I haven't like embraced it uh-huh. yet. Um, I probably I probably won't. Um, it's funny because like I I obviously honors you you never you never want to seek honors, but I, I'm I wouldn't say like it would be cool. I think it would be a sign. Like I, I why not want to be an archpriest? Uh, but basically, an archpriest just means it means that you, you're doing the same thing. Yeah. You keep the same job. It uh-huh. just means that you're recognized by the bishop for doing a good job. Who uh-huh. like who wouldn't want that? You know sure. who wouldn't want an honor? So. Um, I loved. I love that one day if, if the bishop, whoever our bishop is going to be next, would. Uh, I, 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 I. What I wish he would do is he would say like, "I'm going to make two archpriests, and we want you guys to vote on who that would be." You know, Aww. wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, and that'd then, be really course, cool. Of course, I wouldn't vote for myself, but it would be. That would, be, it, would, be, <laughs> it, would be, it would be. It would be nice to like look at and to look around and say which priests because oftentimes these these ranks go to go to the priests that are like closest to the bishop uh-huh. like the the rector of the cathedral or the vocation is director things like that and like he sees them in these roles but it would be nice to say what about just the what about just for the old pastor who yeah. who who's worked his behind off for 30 years and he he has a, a parish and vocations that have come from the parish and he's sustained that people love him and he serves them you know tirelessly like yeah make him an archpriest you know we we need more of that. Just like we need married saints, you know, kind of the same thing. Love, yeah. give, give a give an honor to those who have acknowledged, and then to for those who have just lived a good basic life, like most of us do. All right. So when this is put on over his uh, over his heart, really, may God create a pure heart in you. May he put a steadfast spirit within you, always, now, and ever, and forever. Amen. This, this was the icon of the Theotokos. Icon of Theotokos, just, exactly. I got us on a big tangent, so I Thank just want you. <laughs> and then the uh, and then if he's a metropolitan, or or I don't know exactly how this works, but if he has a second 
Panagia. May your heart overflow with noble words, speaking your song to the king, always, now, and ever, and forever. Amen. And then I believe he's a metropolitan. He also wears a cross. So there's three. The Lord says, whoever wishes to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, always, now, and ever, and forever. Amen. And then the celebrant says, protect me, O Lord Jesus Christ, by the sign of your holy cross. Grant grace to me, your unworthy servant, as I bear this cross upon my chest so that I may overpower my unseen enemies. That's awesome. That's cool. Like you, you're carrying the, the sign of, of, of conquering, of Christ conquering, namely the cross, upon your chest so that you may overpower your unseen enemies. Then we have the crown. We're getting near the end here. The deacon says, with glory and honor, you crowned him, O God. By the way, for you Roman Catholics, this is, it's an actual crown. Like it's, it's not like a, it's not the kind of the ones that the, the Roman Catholic bishops wear that looks very unique. You know, there's not, I've never seen anything else that looks like that. You know, uh-huh. you, you, that looks like a bishop, but this is like an actual crown similar to the one that, that uh, couples wear when they get married. Yeah. Similar to the one that a priest wears if he is named a mitered archpriest. But um, when both for the couple getting married and for the mitered archpriest, there is not generally a cross on the top of it. And this one has a cross on the top of it, which is a really funny video, a little funny gif I've seen, gif, jif, whatever it is, um, of the patriarch of Moscow getting in a car and he gets in the car wearing the crown. And so when he gets in the car, literally his bodyguard flips the cross down <laughs> so it doesn't like pierce the top of the car. He literally just, pop, just pops it down again. It's really funny. Um, the celebrant placing the crown on his head says, place a miter on my head, O Lord, the helmet of salvation, that by your help I may be delivered from the snares of the old and ancient enemy. And then they are given the uh, the candles. I mentioned earlier the Tricarian Dicetion. These are candles that the bishop uses to bless people with. He blesses us with both hands with candles. In his right hand, he holds a candle with or a candle stand with three candles in it. In his left hand, he holds a candle stand with two candles in it. So, three persons and one God, two natures in Christ. Um, and then he blesses people with that. And then uh, the deacon says that when he gets hand, when he hands in the candles, just so your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds. Glorify your heavenly Father always, now and ever and forever. Amen. The celebrant then blesses with these candles, the tricarion decarion, in the form of the cross to the east, the west, the north, and the south, in every direction. As he says, Lord, our Lord, look down from heaven and see, and visit this vineyard and perfect what your right hand has planted. May your hand be upon the Son of Man whom you made strong for yourself. And then the people sing, God grant you many years. I also love that prayer. We hear that a lot whenever there's bishop, but, but that's basically, it's almost like when a priest at the end of the divine liturgy takes the chalice and says, bless your inheritance. Like I'm, as I'm blessing the people with the chalice, I'm looking out over God's inheritance. You know, it's like these, these are the people that since they've received the Eucharist will inherit the kingdom of God. This is the same thing. He's, he's blessing, he's, he's in the middle of the church, blessing all the people gathered there. And he's saying, you know, this is the vineyard, O Lord. This is what you planted. And we sing that at a crowning as well, don't we? I think we do. Um, you're, There's oh, some... Lord, oh, Lord. Is that, a, is that oh, the Brachimenon or something? No. Oh, oh, is it one of the Traparia for the, the Dance tripar. of Isaiah? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll look is it up. It I think you're right. Vineyard? I think we do. Oh, oh, no, I bet. Or is it? Is it... 127 that they process down. I'm showing my ignorance now. I don't remember. It may be Psalm 127. I'll edit that out if I'm wrong because I'm prideful. Um, <laughs> no, you won't. Um, <laughs> I, 
uh, I want to say a few things before you continue. Uh, I'm dandies. Great. One is that I think it's worth mentioning that the trikaryon and dicaryon Mm -hmm. are called such because the trikaryon has three candles and the dicaryon has two, uh, which maybe you said, I don't remember. And but for the three persons of the Trinity and the two natures of Christ, I'm assuming is that I did say that part. Okay, yeah. uh, but one of the nuns came up with this joke of asking if we knew the um, origin, like the etymological origin of hierarchical, and we said no. And she said it comes from the old Slavonic word meaning cover the floor with wax. <laughs> Because that's always the terrible part of having a hierarchical liturgy is we always have to clean the wax off of our floor after the bishop is there. Because when he blesses with the candles, they've been burning. And so he like tilts the candles out and blesses the people with them. And then the wax drips on the floor. Can I guess which son that was? Not because of the joke, but because of your imitation. Sure. Mother Ileana. I think it was Mother Ileana. <laughs> I, that's amazing. You, you like you literally did a How? Mother Ileana impression. The way you said it, the sound of your voice, seriously, your mannerisms, everything you changed to be like Mother Ileana just now. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I didn't even notice doing that. I don't even remember. I think you even did like a slight accent. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's really amazing. Yeah, it's completely unintentional. Community life. You just switch nuns. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing, though, that I wanted to mention that's more serious is that, um, oh, I'm, is that I was thinking of this when, oh, so whenever the bishop is, I don't know if I can actually connect these things articulately, but I'm going to try. There's something about the things that the bishop is saying about. Jesus and uh, his arrest and the way to the cross and the persecution and the crucifixion and his passion and all of that. There's something about, it's interesting to me because this is what society, this is what secular society I think could see happening in the vesting that we were talking about of like, um, having someone else do this is that um, society could see similar to what we were talking about, the life profession of that. It could be seen as like, how are we doing this to this woman? And um, this misunderstanding of obedience and this misunderstanding of authority and that, but what's interesting is like as the bishop is saying these things that happened to Jesus at the time that they were happening to Jesus, the Jews who were binding him and mocking him and all of that. And the Roman soldiers who were doing that um, more accurately is they thought the victory was theirs and they thought the success was theirs but actually the victory and the glory was Jesus's, which I think is the, the connection that came to me is like the Bishop's vestments are beautiful. They're ornate and they're gorgeous and they're glorious. And we can be mistaken in seeing that ornate glory in thinking that this is what glory is 
but actually Jesus dying on the cross for us is his glory. You know, yeah. it's the fact that like Christ, the Christ, the bridegroom icon, as you were explaining earlier is it has the instruments of the passion yeah. and it's Jesus bound. And um, I don't know, there's just something about like, we have both sides of the glory in the vesting prayers of the Bishop of, we see both, um, yeah, like this external glory, but with the reminder that the real glory is the victory of Christ and Christ conquering death. It, it, it's so beautiful that our church makes, like it takes the good news, the evangelion, the gospel, takes the word of God and lives it out. So that even children, like when you can, a child who can't read, and again, all these traditions come from a time before people could read, right? So you you had a living out of the gospel right there. So every time a child or even an adult saw the bishop getting vested, saying these prayers, they saw the passion being lived out, um, but in a way that was like a celebration. That's why they were so ornate and a dignity given to man like Jesus Christ, um, who for a time, you know, he made lower than the angels, as the psalm says, uh, Christ became one of us. And so they, the the child even sees a man. Like one of the things I love, I hope I mentioned this in the podcast. But one of the one of the things that the the little entrance symbolizes. I know I did say this because you, I almost did it twice. Um, the one thing the little entrance symbolizes is is the incarnation because you have the priest walk out of the altar carrying the gospel book in front of his face. So it's almost like a a gospel book with a body, you know. Like, like the gospel books, they had. So you, you have this this manifestation of the incarnation happening. So you can tell the kids, remember when father walks out or the deacon walks out holding the gospel book in front of their face and it looks like a gospel book with a body or a body with a gospel book or a face? Like that, that that's that's a, a sacramentalization of the incarnation. And the same thing in a much deeper way is true for when it, when, a, when the passion, the bishop getting vested is a, a expression of our response and I believe our proper response to the sacrifice and the passion of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I think that the only other thing I would say is if you have never, well, if you've never seen the public vesting of a bishop, I would recommend like looking it up on YouTube or something. And you can even watch it on one of our life profession videos or something like that. But the, there's also when it's, when it's done well, Mm-hmm. and the servers know what they're doing and the deacons know what they're doing and the bishop knows what he's doing. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's like this choreographed dance yeah. The because all of the vestments, they know which one's coming next. And so the server kind of swoops in and passes off the vestments as the deacon is saying the prayer and the, and they just rotate through. And it's just, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like a dance. It's really yeah. beautiful. I know that sometimes they do run throughs of this before. Yeah. So. Um, okay, I want to th- I want to do a very quick mini topic, unless you have anything else to say about that one. Nope, that's okay. it. What a very quick mini topic. I'm going to kind of take this. So anyway, if you if you want to suggest a mini topic, um, we you can find out information about that on our Patreon page. So basically, those of us who are patrons who support us, um, we encourage them to give us a mini topic, namely something they would like to hear about that takes no more than like five ten minutes. Um, to happen at the end of a, of a major topic. I want to do a mini topic today, so thank you to the the Patreon who sent this in. Um, but I, I'm gonna, I, I think we'll cover this again. I, I'd like to go return to this because I, I, in my prayer about this, I want to take a kind of a, 
uh, uh, probably an unintended, but I find interesting <laughs> um, application of the question. So the question was, um, and thank you again to our listener, who's so they wanted to know about those who hesitate to go to confession out of shame or anxiety. So what do you tell someone who is hesitant or struggles to go to confession because of shame and because of anxiety? Now, the reason I'm going to take this interesting tactic, and I'll probably ask you to do it, Mother, too, is because um, I I can say I have had shame and anxiety going to confession. That you is can true. or cannot? I can. Okay. I have had that a few times. I remember one time growing up and uh, going to the church down the street for confession rather than to Father Chris, who was oh. my pastor. And I don't honestly, to the, I, I honestly don't remember what the sin was, but it was something. Was it when you called that girl in the yearbook ugly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, it was something, it was something more, more shameful than that. I mean, it must've been, it must've been like something I had talked to him about. And then he gave me like a, like in other words, it may be a, it, it would be like if you were a priest and I said, Oh, I, I never, I never get angry at this person. Like, so this person's like, well, don't you get, I'm like, no, I never get angry with them. And then all of a sudden I get angry with them. I had to go confess that. Uh And I literally just said you, I told you, said you, I told (laughs) you outside of confession, I don't get angry at them. And then I got angry at them. Uh And I should have just owned up to it and gone and said, I I said, I didn't do this, but I did do it. It was something like that, you know? Um, Anyway, so, so I, I have, I have done that, but I don't think I'm the person to ask because I'm a priest and I, I don't. I generally skip, if you will, into confession. I, 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 I see it as I love it, and I, and I seek out priests, and I, I, I feel for those who, who have this deep existential crisis. You mean you skip into confession when you're the penitent? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I skip into confession when I'm the penitent. I, I, I look forward to the knowledge of, of, of the, those graces administered to me, and I, I find it. I find it a very easy, and this is just my temperament, by the way. Then this is God given. This is nothing. This is not virtue. I promise you. I, I, I find it. I find it something that I say. I I feel I feel different, which is not why you do it, of course. It's but I, I feel I feel different enough that I enjoy it in a sense. Now there again, there are times. There will be more times when I feel shame. Um, but and also this also is the fact that I've 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 almost always gone to priests that I'm in community with. So in Denver, I'd always go to my brothers here in LA, not here in LA, but when I'm in LA, I go to Father Adrian, who's just, he's a brother priest. He's younger than me. We have a certain fraternity and we go to each other and we go to each other. It's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing to go to confession to each other. Um, So, but one of the things that I I was, uh, Father Jack asked me, I preached at his, his chapel in uh, Patterson, New Jersey, uh, West Patterson, New Jersey this past weekend. And I said to him, I'm preaching to your people. Is there any themes you want me to touch on? And he just said confession. That's what he said, just confession. I said, okay. So I, I, I already had a homily, but I tied confession into it. And what I always say is that, especially if I'm, I'm asking, I'm saying, I'm encouraging a bunch of people I don't know to go to confession. Mm-hmm. Or like a big event, I will say, one of the best things that can ever happen to a priest when they're in confessions is someone who walks in and says, Father, it's been 30 years, it's been 40 years, and I don't even know where to begin. And I always say that because I'm sure there's a bunch of people who hear like, they may even hear a good homily on confession and then they want to go, but they're so, they just don't even know where to begin. Like yeah. they, when they were a kid, they did it in a confessional. They don't know what to do now. Um, your question, dear listener, is different than that. I know it is. You're, you're saying, like, you know how to go. You probably have the prison or you have the, them written down. But there's a, there's a shameless, and we'll, we'll get to that next time. 
uh, at a future mini topic. But what I want to say is that there's and pray for us priests because there is a I I I I I'm, I'm more. I'm more gentle by nature, yeah. But I have been to confession to priests that are not gentle by nature. Right. Like they are, they come out guns blazing. They will, they're, they're, they seem overly busy. They will cut you off. They will, you know, it just they'll be mean and grumpy. But in the confessional, not so. Like okay. there, there's very much now again. Some may I've had a grumpy priest in confession, so I know that's not like all the time, of course. But there's something that we have drilled into us in seminary, and that I've known priests. That you basically, if if the hesitation, there may be a hesitation just to say sins out loud. Yeah. There may be a hesit, but but if the hesitation is because of the reaction you're going to get, then go to a priest you love and trust. But also know that that we priests are not supposed to be ourselves in confession. We again, we of course we're human. We bring in our humanity, but we are we're supposed to say what Christ wants to say, not what we want to say. And so you you forgive the same sin over and over again. All of us do it, and it's beautiful. Um, the 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 sins that are said, you know, are, are are we cannot be frustrated, or we cannot be angry, we cannot be startled, we cannot be scandalized, we cannot be shocked. That's that's not what Christ would do. He knows we're sinners. And he knows what we do, and he he's just all he wants to do is forgive us. That's all he wants to do. And so the the fact that you are there just made him so incredibly happy because you have opened the doors of your heart to his merciful grace that then allows us to join him for all eternity in his life, in his kingdom, in his house, in heaven. He wants nothing more. That's why he came, that's why he died, that's why he suffered. And we priests when we go in there, that's who we are. Our voice is his voice. So it's it's not our right or not our role to, to speak what our human side may want to speak. And so I hope that 99% of priests, if not all of us, take that very, very seriously. And so I think a lot of the shame and anxiety that most people have going to confession is because they would have that shame and anxiety going to a friend or to a father or to a mother or to someone if they had to go apologize to a person that they would have a shame and anxiety. But it should be different in confession because even though you're talking to a man who you did hurt, I've explained that before because we're all in the one body of Christ, there still is a, this is this is different and you clergy that are listening, please, you priests, please remember that this is, and I need to remember this too, so pray for me, that, that, that when somebody approaches us, they, they, they deserve and, and should receive the words of the merciful, eternally patient, eternally forgiving Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, I don't want to add a ton to that just for the sake of time, uh, but I think the one thing I would add is because I can I can totally relate and this has been very difficult for me throughout my life um and I think it's also you have the benefit Father Michael of being a priest and hearing confessions and so you know that priests hear everything in confession and so you've just heard a bunch of sins and uh, whereas the rest of us, it's like, oh, what I'm saying must just be the very worst and nobody else says these things. And so, so like you have that benefit. You also have, I think, the benefit of learning how to, um, I, I often think priests probably know how to make really good confessions. I'm not saying they do, but they probably know how because uh, they've heard so many confessions. They're like, oh, that's a really good way to do it. Um, but yeah. um, 
But one thing I would recommend trying, first of all, what you're saying about priests and how they are in confession is really beautiful. Uh, it's also an ideal, and I've had um, multiple priests who were just really harsh in confession or really, um, yeah. But well, they're wrong. Just so you know. Yes, absolutely. And so, but what I would say is, if you know you're in that place of vulnerability and you're feeling afraid and you're feeling shame, then. I don't think there's anything wrong with, on a human level, needing a priest that you know is going to be more gentle. Like Father Michael was saying, a priest that you trust and that you love and that you know is going to be gentle with you. Um, and I do think it's important to get to the point in our spiritual life and a comfortability with confession that we realize the objective graces that are happening in confession, regardless of who the priest is, regardless of how gentle he is. But as you're learning to just say the things out loud and become more accustomed to that, uh, just don't be too hard on yourself if if you just need a gentler priest for a while. Um, but it is important to be able to say the things because you know, it's, I think we can tend to say just enough to kind of relieve our guilty conscience, but not really say everything. And then the everything comes back and nags us until we actually say it all. And the other, I guess the other thing I would suggest to, to maybe try is I typically follow the tradition, I've spoken about this before on the podcast, but I typically follow the tradition of speaking directly to Christ in confession. And that might be helpful for you. Like if you're not speaking directly to the priest and you're not even necessarily looking at the priest, you know, like if you just want to, like the Byzantine tradition is to go to confession in front of an icon of Christ. And so if you're looking at the icon and you're saying, Lord, I need your forgiveness for the harshness with which I spoke to my sister. Uh, Lord, I need your healing for these thoughts that just keep repeating that I can't seem to break. Lord, I need your, you know, and just speaking directly to Jesus, then that could be helpful maybe as well. And um, if you're going to do that, I would prep the priest ahead of time because maybe some priests particularly Roman priests might not be familiar with that. But anytime I've gone to confession with a Roman priest, I've told him beforehand, just so you know, this is typically how I go to confession. And he's like, great, I'm just here standing in the person of Christ. So that's fine. And they've been completely seemingly comfortable with it. So, Amen. Yeah, I, that's important. Thank you for saying that. I, I, I wanted to get a bit of a bit of what the listener was looking for as well. So I think you covered that well. So thank you. All right, let us close. Oh, you got to do your yeah. Well, if you also um, want to submit a mini topic, you can also become a patron. But I do want to give a shout out to five of our patrons: uh, Eric R from Texas, Nick T from Arkansas, <laughs> Hannah from No Address, Scott M. From Kansas, the no address one reminds me of the Chronicles of Narnia, like the places on the map, like spare room for oh. spare room. <laughs> uh, and then Sarah T from New York. You were just in New York, right? No, uh, no, I lived okay. in New York. Okay, 
You what? I looked at it from the Jersey side. Oh. <laughs> uh, so thank you all for your support. Um, our page, Patreon is what it's called. Yeah. Yes. And uh, you can catch us on all of the formats, podcasting formats. If for some reason we're missing one, let us know. We are on YouTube as well, audio only. You can see what we're doing on Instagram and Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Potter Michael O. We have a website, whatgodisnot.com. We have an email address, whatgodisnot at gmail, no, whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com. We have a Goodreads page where you can see what we're reading and you can see, and we can see what you're reading. We have a Patreon, as we mentioned, where you just look up what God is not and you can support our nonprofit there and have various benefits, all the way from getting stickers to having us come visit you. And uh, we have a we, uh, that supports Fotina, who was the woman at the well, and uh, she she uh, she's a patroness of our nonprofit that has supports the poor and the church and evangelization. And by the way, just a <laughs> reminder: if you are anywhere near Steubenville, Ohio, I was just chatting with someone the other day, just earlier today. If you're anywhere near Steubenville, Ohio, and like smoking cigars. Um, we any listeners who want to go to Chesterton Cigar Bar there, you can get in for free on us. You can get a free cigar from our locker. Just email us so we can let them know your name as you're passing through Steubenville, Ohio, and you can go uh, hang out at Chesterton's and smoke a nice cigar that we have in our What God Is Not locker. Um, and I think that is everything. Prayer intentions. You usually start. I will go first. Well, whoever's topic. I will go first, and I will steal the one that's most obvious. Uh, please pray for Bishop Robert Pipta. Um, as you're listening to this, um, he is very dear to me. Um, he has been my spiritual director for 20 years, almost 20 years now, when I was a deacon. Um, so just pray for him and uh, his new role, his new ministry, and all that he's doing for the Eparchy of Parma. Pray for Christ's Bridegroom Monetary, which is in the Eparchy of Parma, and he will be he will be their shepherd now as they move forward. Mother Natalia's community praying, but just pray for him because this is a, a major shift in role. He goes from leading seminarians and staff at a seminary uh, to leading an entire eparchy, a bunch of priests, which is like herding cats and all the faithful in that eparchy. I know he's going to do great, but of course he would be the first to, to beg for prayer. So please pray for now Bishop Robert Pipton. And since our episode was about the bishops, vesting prayers, I'll ask for prayers for the eparchy of Phoenix that they may have a holy and good bishop because poor Phoenix has been bishopless for so long now. Yes. And um, that's funny. We just prayed for each other's eparchies. Yeah, that's cute. Also, um, pray for, because since we're hopefully going to get a bishop in the next 30 years, um, pray, <laughs> pray for the man who is going to be our bishop. I've started doing that during the liturgy because I'm yeah. like, hey, there, there is a Jesus knows who it is. So please pray for the Amen. man who will be our bishop one day because he's alive and serving as a priest somewhere. Are you praying for a bishop elect unknown? Exactly. Spare um, <laughs> Yes. So love you, mother. It. Love you too. Good to be here in person. Yeah. I hope you don't get sick from me, but. Me too. I mean, I've gotten sick from you. But I feel if I like, got to so get sick fine. from anybody. Aww. Then I hope it's Mother Gabriella. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where is it? All right. Uh, Father, can you give us a blessing? Bless you. Oh, yes, of course. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord allow you to be 
a sacramental witness of his passion, of his death, of his resurrection. And may I allow, or allow you to carry in your own body, as St. Paul says, the crucifixion of Christ, that you may be crucified to sin, that you may see the great benefit of the resurrection that heals all suffering, all pain, that the Lord may allow you to carry your cross with dignity, with courage, that you may always submit and in humility um, offer it back to Christ to carry since everything is impossible for us if we do not do it with Christ. But with God, everything is possible. May you have hope in the Holy Resurrection and may you see the great sacrament of confession of repentance as a means to that end where Christ alleviates us of the burden of our sins, uh, conquers those sins and allows us to rise with him. May you always Find in this mercy that Christ offers great hope and great joy. May our Lord give you everything you need, even the salvation of your soul. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 